and it's going. Alright, so today on Swapcast, we have to talk about the Jose Torres case. And if you don't know, Jose Torres is also known as Joey the Player, who has been uh, someone who has been preying on sex workers for several years. And last week, he actually got convicted. Uh, The story's kind of wild, so we really wanted to cover it and really wanted to point out... um, you know, as we oftentimes talk about sex worker rights, what it looks like to try to go to police, what it looks like to try to be taken seriously by society and police due to stigma, um, and how often that enables predators and sex workers sort of have to rely on themselves um, to keep each other safe as a community. And of course, we've talked, you know, a lot about things like SESTA FOSTA or other bills that make it harder for sex workers to get together online, uh, for sex workers to share information, for sex workers to be able to um, engage in behaviors that keep each other safe. Like, for example, we've talked before about the importance of being able to pass around bad date lists and how SESTA FOSTA really um, made that more difficult uh, in a digital era and how that puts sex workers at risk. And so all those things sort of come together when you really look at the case of Joey the player. So um, the timeline of this actually goes back several years. Um, It mostly came to law enforcement's attention somewhere around 2019, but in sex worker communities, it was well known that he was actually um, active and preying on sex workers long before that. What he would do was he would offer um, incredibly high rates to sex workers for overnights. And oftentimes he would try to get sex workers from out of state uh, to come see him on their own dime and offer to pay them just massive amounts of money. When they would show up, uh, they would not only, uh, he wouldn't pay them, but then he would also uh, sometimes claim to be a cop and sexually assault them. Um, He would, um, you know, get very physical, physically abusive, sexually abusive, all those sort of things. And so this had actually been going on for several years. Um, And well, finally, law enforcement got involved. But um, if you, you know, do like an uh, really go down the timeline, there's tweets going back to 2019. And even in those tweets, you have sex workers saying that we've had him on numerous, numerous reports and blacklists going back years. I'm not going to put the people's names out there because even though Twitter is public, I'm not sure if people want me to (laughs) drop their names. Um, If you do want to find information for the historical record, check out Swap Behind Bars on their social media. Uh, Swap Behind Bars has been very proactive about trying to warn people about this individual. So, um, yeah, I see a tweet from June of 2019 where someone is saying we have numerous, numerous reports and blacklists going back years and years about this guy. We have his real name. We have his real details and numerous accounts and written testimony of him raping and assaulting sex workers going back almost a decade most recently on june 12th this was a tweet from june 14th in 2019 so sex workers were already saying they had almost 10 years of um you know instances of this man abusing sex workers so we're already back to 2004 that's how long this has been going on and possibly even longer than that um There's more tweets from 2019 where sex workers were actually getting together uh, with Swap Behind Bars and some other sex worker based organizations talking about making an action plan for New Jersey. That's where um, he was mostly preying on sex workers at uh, about how we can all be in solidarity and find uh, create suggestions to create community safety guidelines because of this person. 
Um, of course, in June uh, 19, Swap Behind Bars noted on their Twitter that Joey the, Joey the player is the perfect example um, of to demonstrate why sex workers need immunity in order in order to report crimes in every state. Uh, so far, only Oregon and Alaska give immunity to sex workers. And that is, you know, something that we've talked about and why we push for a decrim model. If you yourself are at risk of being criminalized and arrested for reporting, you're far less likely to report. So this is yet another reason um, that we really do need to crim and why this is something that we push for. Um, and then, you know, the whole thing just goes on and on. And then in um, 2019, in October of 2019, uh, Joey was actually claiming that he had references. This was another thing that due to SESTA-FOSTA, sex workers didn't want to check references. They were hesitant to uh, sort of leave that sort of digital footprint online. So something that he was doing to exploit that was to claim that he had references from actual sex workers and hope that the sex worker he was trying to see wouldn't go back and follow up on those references. So he was actually claiming references for sex workers that he never saw or sex workers that never would have given him um, a good reference. That was something he was doing in our October of 2019. Um, when it finally, the word really got out about him being in New Jersey, he started moving around. He started looking for escorts in the Boston area and changing his contact information. He had been going by, uh, by Jose. Now he was going by the name John, ironically, I know, um, and doing this in Boston. Uh, then he moved out to Las Vegas and started looking for uh, sex workers in Las Vegas under a different name again and another email using different websites. So he was very um, deliberate about hunting sex workers in that sense, that he was literally willing to go to different areas, use different names. Um, by 2020, he was going under the name Jay and he was uh, looking for sex workers in Rhode Island. So, um, yeah, this was a very long and strategic uh, thing on his end of changing dates, um, changing areas, changing names, changing where he was looking for sex workers. But his M.O. was the same every time, which, again, was to offer a large amount of money. And then when the sex, or sex worker would show up, he would sexually assault them and not pay them. Um, and in the one instance, well, probably a few other instances as well, was actually claiming that he was a cop and that if the sex worker didn't comply with his demands, that they would be arrested. So it was just um, a big mess all the way around. But in February of 2020, he was formally charged. Um, and it seems like he was charged under the Mann Act, interestingly enough. Uh, and this is a note from the FBI. They said a New Jersey man who allegedly lured commercial sex workers to travel from out of state to engage in prostitution and other sexual acts by use of force, violence, and threats will appear in court today. Um, and that was a U.S. attorney that made that statement, and he was charged in New Jersey. That's where his trial went. They also note that from May 2015 to October 2019, Torres persuaded, induced, and enticed commercial sex workers to travel from various out-of-state lo out locations, including Canada and New York, to engage in prostitution. Torres lured commercial sex workers to New Jersey with promises of large payments. When the sex workers asked for payment, Torres would become aggressive, often assaulting and raping them, and then Torres never paid the sex workers. So that um, is kind of what happened. He had originally two charges uh, from December 2015 that he lured two victims from Pennsylvania to New Jersey. And then in May of 2018, it was determined that he, because uh, an another victim came forward, that he lured someone to travel from New York City to New Jersey. 
Um, and they note that for victim number three, the one who went from New York City to New Jersey, um, once she arrived, she began to feel uncomfortable. Torres then threatened her, telling her it was in her best interest to stay in his hotel room, and then forced her to engage in unwanted sexual activity, including sexual intercourse without a condom. So ultimately, he ended up with four charges because four different victims came forward. Each term of coercion and incitement carries a maximum of 20 years in prison and a $250,000 fine. And this is what he was convicted of on all four charges last week. He hasn't been sentenced yet. The sentencing is set for February. We'll see, um, you know, what sort of time he will be serving. But, you know, if these four sex workers hadn't come forward with this story and, you know, risked getting in trouble themselves, then he would actually still be out there right now. Um, and he's very deliberate about what he does. And so we also have, we just wanted to go over some of the things he has. He has like like four blogs and like a website. Like he can't stop talking about himself, honestly. In the third person. In the third person. Um, he, uh, because he's done everything. He has sued the prosecutor. He tried to sue the judge. He's saying that this is a frame up. He's accusing, uh, accusing the United States government of just going after Johns now. It's the whole thing is really ridiculous. And we're yeah. going to, and we're going to get into his documents, but I wanted to lay a little bit of groundwork just to really emphasize how long this had been going on and how intentional and deliberate this was that he was preying on sex workers. This wasn't, um, just some guy who one time, like there was a dispute over money or services. No, this was someone who intentionally sought out sex workers to try to con them so specifically that he could rape them. So that's what was going on. That's your history. Let's get into this these wild ass <laughs> documents and writings that um, this person has been doing. All right. So um, one of the first articles, and again, he has blogs everywhere. He's got like one on Blogspot. He's got one on Medium.com. He has a website uh, called Justice for justice for oh no sorry free jose therese.com he put he, free jose about himself <laughs> like remember folks like the whole free thing it really it goes back to um uh, really about two decades ago when a uh, performance artist tony yayo got locked up and performance artist eminem wore a free tony yayo t-shirt to uh, one of those music award programs and people do that for other people. He's putting free Jose for himself. No yeah. one's advocating for him that is external. Right. And it is fascinating that we were trying to determine how he was writing these blogs because he um, wasn't, like, during, uh, while he was waiting for trial, he was, you know, in jail. But it really does look like he took his background picture at the prison library. Oh, my Jesus, it does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, on his uh, on his freejosetorres.com website. Yeah, it looks like he actually um, just used pictures of the prison library for his um, background pictures. So that's yeah. just interesting. And folks, remember, they don't have everything that we have out here, but they have a lot of contraband in prison. Yeah. They have a lot. So, yeah, you can make your own website from prison. Yeah, if you can, yeah, if you can smuggle in a cell phone, then... Yeah. yeah. Um, but so, yeah, this is uh, one of his earlier articles that he put up and again like and this is why i wanted to do the little bit of background to explain how malicious and intentional he is because this is how he's framing himself now right this is an article he wrote it's on his medium 
uh, medium.com page, and it says the DOJ is now targeting Johns from the black and brown communities for patronizing escorts. Does it sound like that's what happened? Because <laughs> I don't think that's what happened. Is this one of the ones where Johns is in quotes or not in quotes? Johns is not in quotes in this one. Not in quotes this time, folks. Yes. As And I guess this can't be the only one. We can go through these. They get repetitive, but we yeah. can go through like all five over a couple different episodes. Yeah. And point out where he uses what he probably, what he thinks are rhetorical tricks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this one says... In an unprecedented use of federal law, the DOJ is now prosecuting Johns for having consensual sex with adult escorts. The statute that is being used, Title 18 USCS 2422A, was passed in 1910 by Congress to prosecute pimps and sex traffickers. It has never seen the conviction of a John. The statute carries up to a 20-year sentence. The DOJ hopes that this will open up a whole new era of prosecutions. This could target politicians, celebrities, and public figures along with married and single men alike. Right. So what yeah. he's talking about is the Mann Act, which is an actual um, anti-trafficking uh, federal law about transporting sex workers across state lines for purposes of prostitution, right? That's what the Mann Act is. Now, if you remember what we said when we set this up, what he was doing was he was in New Jersey and getting sex workers from Canada, Las Vegas, um, New York, uh, Rhode Island, Boston to try to come to him. So he was actually trying to move sex workers across state lines, told them that he would pay for their travel fees to move them across state lines. Right. So, yeah, actually, you kind of were doing what uh, even though there's a lot of history and very racialized history with the Mann Act, uh, also known as the White Slavery Act. Right. You that is what you were doing. You were trying to move people across state lines for essentially human trafficking because you had no intention of paying them, nor did you have any intention of respecting their boundaries when they told you they did not want to engage in certain acts. So uh, that's what he says. And then he adds on to this. Jose Torres, a Latino from New Jersey and an executive accountant and high level consultant, will take his case to trial on October 3rd, 2023 in Newark, New Jersey, in front of federal district judge Brian Martinotti. Under New Jersey state law, engaging in prostitution as a customer is a disorderly person's offense, not even a misdemeanor. In New Jersey, a John, it's in quotes this time. And in this instance, he's from New Jersey and not from Salvador. And now John is in quotes, and as John you just is in said. Quotes, yes. All right. He said, a John would normally only be fined about $350 for this conduct. How would you know that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he seems like he thinks he knows a lot of things. Um... Prosecutor Emma Spiro left her position with Cher Tremonti, LLP, took a job with the DOJ as an assistant U.S. attorney and initiated this prosecution in under 60 days, even though the DOJ ethics manual and federal law prohibits her from taking on a case related to her former employer for a period of two years. This illegal conflict of interest has been ignored by the court and creates a significant violation of the defendant's Sixth Amendment rights. Emma Spiro is joined by federal prosecutor Sean Barnes, who, according to public records, has a history of corruption and falsifying evidence as a Union County prosecutor. Um, I was not able to find that evidence. <laughs> I'm not no. saying it didn't happen, because trust me, I'm, mis I'm, I'm very mistrustful of the federal government. I get that. This is not one of those cases for me. Like, you know, I, I, this is not one of those cases for me. Um... 
In order to add to the gravity of the charges against Torres, Prosecutor Emma Spiro manufactured false allegations of violence to prejudice and disparage the defendant and influence the judges to deny Torres bail five times. I just want to point out that, um, as I said, Swap Behind Bars has really been on this from the start. They were actively getting sex workers to like write and call in to the judge to be like, please do not grant this person bail. They are a danger to the community. So a lot of that is... Yes, the prosecutors um, like asked that he not get bail, but there was like a lot of sex worker community support behind that idea because he is dangerous. Um, you know, and as he says in here, uh, manufactured false allegations of violence. The sex workers themselves said that you raped them. That that's not a manufactured allegation to me. Like you have witnesses who said that that's what happened, yeah. and multiple witnesses. So. Um, he has already been in jail, uh, awaiting trial since February of 2020, even though he has no prior criminal record. I see, he says he has no prior criminal record, which, okay, but you're accused of raping multiple people. Like, that's not, um, you know, that, that that's not a light thing. That's not a small thing. It's not like you got accused of stealing, you know, a TV from Target or something. Like, this is serious. And remember, he's writing this about himself. Yeah. Just in case it sounds as if there's a journalist in the room. <laughs> yeah, there is no journalist in the room. Uh, the American public must make their voices heard and take a stand against this prosecutor's resume-building shenanigans. Take a stand? Take a stand against shenanigans. I do not want to see the group of 35 guys that marches for you. What <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? Um... Yeah, so he says the American public must make their voices heard and take a stand against prosecutors' resume-building shenanigans and desire to overcharge citizens to create cases and bolster their careers. Hashtag, ad tag, post, repeat, repost, tweet, retweet, etc. and contact the media. See www.pacer.gov. Um, case number two, yeah, yeah, so he has a case number. Um, for comments and questions, please email stopdojcorruptionnow at gmail.com. No government is more powerful than the people. Wake up, sheeple! The second blog that he has on his website, uh, the headline is Massive DOJ Corruption Uncovered in Case Where U.S. Uh, Attorney Emma Spiro Engaged in Arresting Her... Uh, Oh, excuse me, engaged in assisting her former employer, Cher Tremonte, in an under-the-table deal to prosecute an opponent of the private law firm. He's really trying to make himself sound like some type of freedom fighter here. Yeah. Like, pro prosecuting me because I opposed a law firm. What? And keep what? Mind, like, he's doing this all unironically. Yeah. Like, I think... People outside of just folks that are interested in sex workers' rights, and if you're just really interested in, like, studying misogynistic men in general, like, this guy. Yeah. Like, he's real. like, this is like if a, I, yeah, I, I don't even know. It's like, it's like a Manosphere guy that isn't a content creator, mm -hmm. but he's just, like, living a Manosphere life. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it, it's, it's wild, if I may use that language. Yeah. Wild, how they, that's how they say it now. <laughs> is a lot, that, lot on the L now. Is that how they say it? So, this one says, uh, Assistant United States Attorney Emma Spiro began employment with Manhattan-based Cher Tremonte in October of 2017 and left the law firm on Friday, June 7th, 2019. 
Six days prior to leaving Cher Tremonte, on Saturday, June 1, 2019, a tip to the FBI was sent at 7.34 a.m. Eastern Standard Time using a wa- This is actually kind of creepy. Uh, using a Wi-Fi connection through an internet service provider located at 32 6th Avenue, Manhattan, New York. That's a little bit creepy that he knows, like, when and where and the location of the person who did the tip. That's fucking creepy. Yeah. Because that's a sex worker. Uh, All right. The tipster claimed to be a prostitute, Lindsay B., who is a client of Cher Tremonte. Claimed to be, because that's something folks go around faking about being. Right? Yeah. Look at me. I'm a fake sex worker. It increases your safety. It does. Uh, Lindsay B. was contemplating a lawsuit against a man named Jose Torres regarding an unpaid escort fee from May of 2015. 2015. So for four years, right, we've been, like, trying to warn people about this guy. And there's been, um, you know, law enforcement looking into this guy. Not as much as I would have liked as early on. But, you know, so, yeah, this, again, when I say that this has been going on for years, I I really do mean that. Um, Yeah, in 2015, like, folks are, because folks our age, the years are kind of running together. mm -hmm. That's eight years ago. Mm-hmm. That's very close to a decade. This recording and and he's being. This is all 2023. Yeah, this is yeah, all he, going down. Yeah, he literally got convicted last week, October in October of 2023. Yeah, like 2015. Like, my goodness, it was like Rakia Boyd and whatnot. Yeah, mm-hmm. like man, that that's a long time ago. Yeah. Or just think of it in terms of presidents. Two terms is that's two terms of a president. Eight years. Yeah. Hell, the 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 primary to which. Uh, that ended up the way things are going now hadn't started yet. Yeah. And we're not saying names. We're not endorsing. <laughs> we're just saying stuff went wrong. Stuff went wrong. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Uh, all right. So, yeah, so the tipster claimed to be a prostitute, Lindsay B., who is a, a client of Cher Tremonte. Lindsay B. was contemplating a lawsuit against a man named Jose Torres. Also, why does it say a man named Jose Torres? This whole website is about you, Jose Torres. Yeah, remember, like, this is him. <laughs> it's a little weird to word it that way. Um, regarding an unpaid escort fee. Lindsay B. is represented by Cher Tremonte, specifically a uh, Spiro's former supervisor, Gnome Biale, I don't know if I'm saying their last name right, who is a partner at Cher Tremonte, and Anna Estavao, who is an associate. Lindsay B. lived in Nevada at the time. Now, keep in mind, I said he was getting people to come to New Jersey. So he is kind of low-key admitting that he did actually violate the Mann Act by bringing someone across state lines for purposes of prostitution if she was working in Nevada and you had her come to New Jersey. And in the first blog, he said, this is going to affect married men, single men. Mm-hmm. No, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, ma- married guys over here. Hey, hey, honey, let's go on down to Colorado and see the <laughs> gorge. And then when you're in the hotel room, you have sex. Man Act. It's not happening. No, no. Um, Lindsay B. lived in Nevada at the time of this tip and continues to live in Nevada. However, this location in Manhattan is within walking distance from Emma Spiro's former shared Tremonte office. Okay. 
that's like a weird complaint. All right. Uh, additionally, the phraseology <laughs> of the anonymous tip is unlike a working girl. He put working girl in quotes and is not consistent with other of Lindsay B's writings. Why is working girl in Oh, cause he doesn't believe that. Yeah, he doesn't believe Lindsay actually called in the tip. Ah, he's a skeptic. Yes, yes. Instead, it reads more similar to, <clears throat> to someone with legal training, such as Emma Spiro, Noma Biale, or Anna Stavo, the Cher Tremonti's, uh, the Cher Tremonti attorneys that represent escort Lindsay B. It's just fascinating to me that he thinks that, um, the way a sex worker may talk casually in person or the way they might write an ad is the same way that they talk all the time, that like she's not capable of sounding more professional. Cause that's basically what he said was that she sounds uncouth. She, this couldn't have been her. Like that's, I don't know. There's something like weird and I don't like that. As I said, he sounds like he's like a manosphere guy just living off the internet. And that seems like a passport bro mentality. Ooh. Mm. It is more likely that this 2019 tip was planted by Emma Spiro or one of her co-conspirators. I hope she finds these blogs. <laughs> I hope she does too, because, yeah. Uh, it's more likely this 2019 tip was planted by Emma Spiro or one of her co-conspirators, Noam Biale or Anna Stavo. Due to details included in the tip, no one could have made the post unless they had, quote, institutional and substantial knowledge of the events that allegedly occurred back in 2015. So keep in mind here, he says that you would have had to have substantial knowledge of the events to call this tip in, but the paragraph above this, he said the phraseology is unlike that of a working girl and not consistent with Lindsay's other writings. So pick a struggle here. Also, Lindsay's other writings, and you mentioned like it's most likely it's the ads. Yeah, ads like, and maybe like a Twitter feed or something. Yeah, because Lindsay has other writings like, well, show me where I can download it in Audible. Where's Lindsay's all these other... You said other writings like Lindsay is an author. Yeah. Is that why you put working girl in quotes? Because you're like, no, I know you're a journalist. Like, this guy is weird. <laughs> He's weird. It's like a serious story, but it's also like when we used to do Wacky Wednesdays. Yeah, because like, it's, it's so incredulous. It's just mm. like, because yeah, it's very serious, but you're like, wait, are you, what, that was your argument? That's what you brought to court? These are the, this is what you're bringing to the table. What are you doing? Watch, he's gonna start listening to these episodes, and he's gonna be like, "Incredulous." That's a good word. You know, <laughs> Shapiro. <laughs> Emma was incredulous in her attacks on Jose, right. the guy who's not me. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's really, but yeah. So in one paragraph, he's saying that the phraseology is not like a working girl. So basically, he thought she's too stupid to call in the tip the way it was called in but then he's also saying that you would have had to have substantial knowledge of the events that allegedly occurred i don't know i guess both i guess i don't know uh the tip appears to be either federal prosecutor emma spiro norm biali or anna stavo impersonating Lindsay b to create a falsified tip to the fbi interesting uh, Emma Spiro was working at the time for the law firm Cher Tremonte LLP, who had pending civil litigation against Torres. Emma Spiro... Now, also, I just want to point out that... Because mm -hmm. he contradicts himself so much in these blog posts. So, what he originally said was... June 1st, 2019, a tip was sent to the FBI um, while Lindsay B. was contemplating a lawsuit against a man named Jose Torres regarding an unpaid escort fee from 2015. 
contemplating involving Cher Tremonte in a lawsuit for unpaid fees. But then you go down a couple paragraphs and he says uh, that there was pending civil litigation against Torres. So was there pending civil litigation or was there contemplation of... Because those are two different things. Was she contemplating suing you or was the process already initiated? I don't know, because you said both in the you said both like two paragraphs apart from each other. Yeah, he doesn't know either. He doesn't know either. Uh, Emma Spiro then took a federal job with the Department of Justice and in less than 60 days initiated federal prosecution against Torres. This is uh, strictly prohibited by federal law as federal employees cannot use their new positions of power to assist their former employers. Which is, I think, is also interesting um, because to say that it's assisting her former employer would mean that um, she's helping with a civil case. But this is a criminal case, not a civil case. So I'm not entirely sure um, how the argument would work that it's helping a former employer when the former employer was working uh, from a civilian civil standpoint versus for the federal government working in a, from a criminal standpoint. That doesn't really seem to mesh for me. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, so the law restricts a federal employee from engaging in activity, uh, related to their former employer for a minimum of two years. See executive order 13490. And we need to close the revolving door that lets lobbyists come into government freely and lets them use their time in public service as a way to promote their own interests over the interests of the American people when they leave. All right. Yeah. So he says, uh. The law restricts a federal employee from engaging in any activity related to their former employer for a minimum of two years. See Executive Order 13490. So I actually looked up that um, executive order. It's ethics commitments by executive branch personnel. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not sure that prosecutors count as executive branch. You don't think so? I don't think so. That's but, the fourth branch of government. The fourth branch of government. Um, but more importantly, um, this is specifically about ethics in terms of lobbying. Uh, these are lobbyist gift bans, revolving door gift bans. Um, so, if, like, for example, it says, revolving door ban lobbyist entering government. If I was a registered lobbyist within the two years before the date of my appointment, in addition to abiding by the limitations of paragraph two, I will not for a period of two years after the date of my appointment participate in any particular matter on which I lobbied, participate uh, in sp the specific area of which that particular matter falls, or seek or accept employment with an executive agent agency that I lobbied within. Okay. So this is about lobbyist bans. This is yeah. not about prosecutors. No, but, 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 but where do you meet one of these high-end so-called, in quotes, working girls in a hotel lobby? So <laughs> how are you going to say this guy doesn't know about lobbying? Okay. Really? That's that's the <laughs> All right, that's the line Jose. of reasoning. That's the line of reasoning. Um, yeah. In addition to abiding by limitations, I agree upon that upon leaving government service, not to lobby any covered executive branch or non-senior career executive appointees. Yeah. Yeah. This is all about lobbying. This is not about whatever the fuck he said it was about. It, it is not. I'm looking at it right now. Um. So yeah. I man, I want these in court. I want to be the prosecutor. You want to be the prosecutor? How do I pass law school? I need, I need to pass the bar. <laughs> do I just rap? Is that how you pass the bar? That bars? is not how you pass the bar. 
because it's the bar, not the bars. All right, then let's get, let's get, oh, wait, I almost said, uh, no, no political parties. No political parties. But we can joke about who would be the party that would lower the bar to pass the bar. Yes, we can. Well, you just guess at home. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, yeah, I don't even know what he's talking about with this executive order. Um, then he adds, Emma Spiro had secreted away this information from the court. The defense Secreted away? (laughs) Yes. I can't, my bad. It's just everything, the way he words it all. Like, why does he want to be like an antebellum white woman so secreted away? (laughs) Well, you know, you gotta... God. Uh, And the defense attorney and the defendant, Jose Torres, it was not revealed until Torres uncovered it much later. Until Torres uncovered it. Like he's an investigative journalist. Yeah, I guess he stepped up. I like how many degrees this guy. This guy's a consultant, an investigative journalist, a lobbyist of sorts. He has all the jobs. Yeah, damn. And he's not even free. And he's not even free. That's impressive. Conflicts of interest are to be presented in advance, not after they are caught. The facts appear to show a tale of a private lawyer, Emma Spiro, and or her co-workers impersonating a federal witness to create a false tip to the FBI. We talked about the false tip. I don't agree with the false tip thing because essentially his whole argument of why it was a false tip is prostitutes are stupid and she couldn't have been that smart and made that tip that way. That's basically his argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they, oh, he adds in. No government is more powerful than the people, just as like a little like subheader for some reason. Yeah, which like, do you think you're going to get to be on Newsmax or something? Which I hope you do. (laughs) I really hope that like Newsmax or uh, Steve Bannon or someone has you on. Let's do this. Like dig that hole. Mm. Uh, This was followed by Emma Spiro joining the Department of Justice and lending a helping hand to her former employer to prosecute in violation of federal law and an opponent of the law firm. Emma Spiro then covered it up until it was discovered by Torres. All right. Emma Spiro's after the fact guilty conscience is known under the law as mens rea. Oh, no. Don't start using legal terms. Uh, After... (laughs) After it was uncovered, the DOJ, the DOJ doubled down by getting senior prosecutor Bruce Keller involved, who has taken extensive actions to cover up the corruption and remove any records of it off the public docket and out of the public's view. I mean, if that was where she works, there's always going to be a record of that. I'm not really sure how they're taking it off the docket. It's it's secretive now. I don't, all right. Again, yeah, like now, now he's doing Infowars. Yeah, like he really just seems like a like a pirate radio host now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um do, do, do. United States attorney Philip Selinger then got directly involved by writing to judge to judge Bright uh <laughs> Yeah. Let me try that again. Yeah. United States <laughs> attorney Philip Selinger then got directly involved by writing Judge Brian Martinotti requesting that the defendant be muzzled and the docket be cleansed. Judge Martinotti complied with the request and suddenly did an about-face, ordering the docket to be sanitized. These are some interesting word choices to me. The defendant got muzzled and the docket got sanitized? Is that, like, normal? Got muzzled and the docket got sanitized. I'm not sure that that's, like, normal. um... We have to make a list of his weird verbiage. (laughs) (laughs) His phraseology. Oh, Jesus. His phraseology. Um... 
Okay, so ordering the docket to be sanitized and abruptly abruptly revoked Torres's pro se status to muzzle the corruption. Tor <sighs> I know. Torres is an accountant and high-level consultant, and the transcripts confirm that Torres always acted properly and respectfully before the court and judge. Thus, unprofessional conduct is not a determining factor. I, it doesn't have to be. Like, the judge can just say no. Even if you're very polite and respectful to the judge, the judge can still just say no. No. And, uh. Yeah, like, the judge is allowed to do that, especially if there's, um, you know, if the judge has found that you can't back up whatever you're saying with case law. Like, I don't, like, there's a reason that lawyers do so many years of study, and that's because law is, like, a weird, messy, complicated thing. You can't just, like, read a book over a weekend and assume that you can go in and, like, defend yourself at trial. It's not how it works. This is a thinly veiled critique of the policing system. The, uh, <laughs> I'm still having an emotional reaction to how he used the word muzzled. <laughs> and used it twice. Muzzle the corruption? Like, yeah. corruption is not a person speaking. You, like, just uh, colloquially, when you use muzzle like that, he's like muzzle a voice, yeah. right? Or when you're speaking very directly, it would be like, put a muzzle on your pit bull, this is a park. Yeah. You know, but like, <clears throat> muzzle the corruption? Yeah, and used it twice. So he said, um... Da, da, da. So Selinger then got involved by writing Judge Br uh, Brian Martinotti asking, requesting the defendant be muzzled. Okay, there. So, requesting yeah. the defendant be muzzled, and then Martinotti complied with the request, ordered the docket to be sanitized, and abruptly revoked Torres's pro se status to muzzle the corruption. Muzzle the corruption. He wrote that too fast. Think it through, Jose. Stop. Stop. You're not even free anyway. You have a lot of time in that library. Yeah. Waiting for the potato to ferment or whatever it is you're doing. Torres is an accountant and high-level consultant and the trend... Yeah, so then confirmed that he always acted properly and respectfully. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. Uh, for more information... <laughs> like, like, you can be polite to the judge and still things won't go in your favor. That's... Court... Uh, for more information, refer to the Third uh, Third Circuit Court of Appeals, case number 232085, uh, and the appeal on conflict of interest. This year I declare war on the mayor, like let my niggas out the devil's lair or I spray ya. Outsiders. Alright, so I, you know, in good faith, I looked it up, right? That's yeah. That's what I'm supposed to do. So, again, he closed this out by saying, for more information, refer to the Third Circuit Court of Appeals, case number 23-2085, and the appeal on the conflict of interest. So I looked it up. I found the case. Um, I, <sighs> it's not compelling? So filing number three, order clerk granting motion to proceed in form of papyrus. I'm probably not saying that right. But that basically means in the character and the manner of a pauper, meaning that you can't afford to pay for a lawyer. So it allows the person to proceed in court without payment or liability for those fees or costs. That's the first one. So that has nothing to do with anything he said thus far. Although it is ironic because he did talk about how he was such a, uh, how did he put it? Um, accountant and high level consultant who has no money, which is interesting. But all right. Mm. 
Yeah, I probably would not go around telling people I'm a high-level consultant if you can't afford to do shit in court. I, th- I swear this guy just likes words. I think he does, too. Uh, so that's the first one. Uh, then on June 20th, uh, number motion number two uh, is to proceed in forma. Oh, okay. So this was all the same day. So he did the thing to proceed in forma pauper, and then they granted the motion to proceed. Okay. And then one petition for a writ of mandamus docketed, which I looked that up. And that is a party petitioning for a writ of mandamus or prohibition directed to a court. Um, And the court must file a petition with the circuit clerk and serve it to all parties proceeding in the trial court. The party must also provide a copy to the trial court judge. Okay, so the petition must state the relief sought the issues presented and the facts necessary to understand the issue presented by the petition. What I find fascinating about this is that they show the times on here, not only the date, but like the actual time. Yeah. The first writ was for that, saying, I want this mandamus docket thing. The second one was saying, I don't have any money. Can you like let me proceed as if I don't have money? And the third one was saying, okay, go ahead and proceed as you don't have any money. And this was between 8.15 and 8.30 in the morning. He got all three motions done in 15 minutes. Mm. Yeah. That's just, that's, I just find that to be interesting. So, um, yeah, but. uh, He was living in New Jersey with no money? Yeah. Well, at least very little. Yeah. Jesus. And, uh, yeah, I can't, uh, mm, I can't get into the electronic records because you have to pay for them to actually look at the paperwork. But, yeah, it sounds like the paperwork he filed isn't even, like, relevant to what he's saying uh, is happening in this case. So, this is, this is a lot. And he knows folks don't want to pay for it to look at it. Or he he doesn't expect us to be reading it. He doesn't, yeah, I don't think he expects us to be reading it. Yeah, he thinks that, again, he thinks that, like, some cats on an incel forum are going to read it and march for him. Or whatever audience he's gunning for. Mm -hmm. To me, it seems like a almost, like, QAnon-like audience. Yeah, and I think also that he's uh, one of those people who um, is, like, overly arrogant and thinks if I just have, like like legalese in my thing that people will just assume that I'm being honest and believe me, you know, yeah. like, well, I filed a petition and it's like, okay, but was it a, just cause you filed a petition doesn't make it a good petition. Right. Yeah. Like it doesn't mean that you um, had validity behind what we were saying. It just means you filed a petition. Yeah. And like, and then back to uh, him saying a, a high level consultant, right? Mm-hmm. That sounds like when those doofuses be like a high value man yeah. or, or when Alex Jones has a guest on, like no matter what field they're in, you know, he, he'll he have on the anti-Semitic guy that got kicked out of the group Public Enemy. Uh, he's a, a top rapper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is... um. This is a lot, but yeah, so that was his second blog post, and there's, uh, what, like five more? Yeah, that we know yeah. are not just repeats, right? So, yeah. um, in preparation for this, uh, in the previous state of recording, I was, uh, looking at these, and Phoenix Kalita was looking at other information while I was posted really just on the medium and reading every single one, because they're not that long. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there are some where it's just, a. Uh, Uh, embed of a YouTube video that of course is now deleted Mm -hmm. and him just saying I'm a consultant (laughs) and that's like the whole post and then some of those where 
he starts what seems like a new topic, but then he just reiterates complaining about the Man Act. Yeah. Or he just reiterates, um, what's her name, Emma Spiro? Mm-hmm. Yeah, reiterates his, um, his quite frankly slanderous allegations against Emma Spiro, yeah. which he better hope to holy heck she doesn't find. I wonder if she knows. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she is an ambitious career person, according to him. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. All right, folks. Uh, that was Swapcast. All right. Um, I guess we'll bounce right back with this uh, exact same guy mm-hmm. and just run this story out. So this one will be like a mini-series yes. of shorts. Of shorts. Of sorts. <laughs> and, uh, and then, of course, as it tends to go, what are the magic words I always say? I have a shift to get to yes all right end recording 3 32 a.m and it is tuesday october 17th 2023 time flies when you're old and you have a different perception of time because you've experienced so much of it let's not get existential kids it's tuesday isn't it